welcome back everyone to the horror shed podcast i'm one of your co-hosts jared below we have the one and only south jersey jason how you doing today sir got my cup of coffee i'm doing good oh me too man we we need the caffeination yeah we're recording on an early bleak saturday morning is it raining down your way not yet but i'm sure it's coming yeah, it's uh, it's come and gone now. Just like blah, but you know, good thing is I'm hearing the birds, which means spring is around the corner. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, anything new on the horror front for you? I watched Megan. And what'd you think of Megan? I'm at about two stars out of five. I mean, yeah. I like the acting, which really disappointed me because I really wanted to like it after. You like the actors. Right. But, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 And from what I read, the unrated version, like, had 20 seconds extra. Yeah. And theatrical. That's what I watched was the unrated. Like, yeah. the whole crab walking, I think it would have been scarier if she came at him like the T-1000. Yeah. It's just yeah. fucking hardcore. I don't know, man. It, it's hard, Dad. Can we ask that question? I think it is, but you know, uh, Blumhouse. I'm not sure if you just if you saw the announcement, but they're making a Dead by Daylight movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think horror is stale right now. Um, people like, you know, I I think Terrifier Two made a big impact back in October when it came out. Yes, and but. <sighs> You know, while I like the Terrifier franchises, I really like the character of Art the Clown. I'm not really into the gore porn. Like, that's not my cup of tea. Like, I'll watch it, but I want to... I, I mean, and, and Art is a new slasher. We have a new slasher. It's been very long since we've had a prom... I mean, well, I mean, Ghostface is a slasher, but it's a different person. So I don't consider him really a slasher per se. There, It's in the genre, but it's a different person all the time. Uh, I think it is stale. You know, we just got reboots and remakes out the ass. <sighs> yeah, I, I, we're never going to have the 80s again, late 70s, early 80s of good horror movies because Hollywood doesn't have any originality. So I hope we're going to get like, I hope the next generation we're going to get a John Carpenter, a Wes Craven, wow. you know, because think about it. Once they're gone, they're gone. Like, will we ever have another Stephen King? Probably not. No. But with like Megan was really soft. You could have made yeah. this really freaking scary. I think I think um maybe they were testing the waters and maybe if we get a sequel, because they did leave it open. Well, they did. But are we just testing the waters for everything we fucking put out now? I yeah. mean I just watched the Haunted Mansion trailer, and I know it's not a horror, it's a Disney movie, and it actually looks like I might watch it, but... Does it look, um, like, is it goofy like the Eddie Murphy one, or is it... Look no, it feels it feels more like Ghostbusters. Okay, and who who's in it? I, I know that it was released, but I haven't watched it. Anyway. Owen Wilson's in it, uh, Rosario Dawson's in it, and the little, uh, young man, he looks like he's gonna be funny, so... Okay. <laughs> There's a, um, I was going to watch it last night. I asked out at like eight o'clock last night because Irene and I popped in um, a movie on Netflix, but there's a new supernatural comedy 
movie on Netflix, and it has David uh, Harbor. Is it David Harbor? Yeah, he's the ghost. Oh, I didn't know that, but it was um, Jennifer Coolidge, and was it Michael B. Jordan? No, no, no. Um, oh no, who's the who's the guy? The Falcon guy, right? Uh, yeah, Anthony uh, Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, yeah. So I'll probably pop. I was on. A, I wanted to pop it in, but it's like over two hours. I'm like, there was no way I can stay up. And this is like eight o'clock. I fell asleep like fifteen minutes into the movie we popped in, which um, it's like a it's like a uh, comedy with like all the old snl female actresses from like the 90s oh okay it looked, yeah it, it was it was funny to um amy poehler um debbie downer girl yeah i forget um and a bunch of other ones and it's it's in the vein of i would say like a bridesmaids type comedy okay yeah but uh yeah getting back to horror you know who uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm having a rough time with it. I really am. Yeah. It's starting to bother me because yeah. I just know whatever I'm watching is going to be a piece of shit. Yeah, and yeah. It, like I want the jump scares back. Let's yeah. stop treating these people like fucking babies and bring it back. If you're going to make a horror movie, don't make a PG-13. Yeah, there's there's no point. As soon as, soon as you see a PG-13 movie, you know, a horror movie, you know it's going to suck. And they aim for the PG-13 as if. I'm not taking my 10-year-old any fucking way, even mm-hmm. if it's rated R. I'm still taking them. The yeah. parents are still going to take them. You don't need to worry about that shit. It's not yeah. the 80s or, you know, it's not the exorcist times where, yeah, you know, every kid's in church every fucking Sunday. It's not that yeah. anymore. Yeah. I will gladly take my kid to an R-rated movie. And kids are so desensitized. Yeah. You know? Um, so speaking of just like other things, uh, so when this comes out, the, the most recent episode of last of us will be coming out, but I watched, uh, from Mar- um, February 26th, I think it was the so last Sunday. And it was an episode really focused on Ellie and a down the DL. If you hear any noise, it's Dexter in my, in the closet. So, um, it was a basically a DLC comment or uh, episode of content where Ellie and a a friend of hers that was like in the Fedra Academy spent the night in a um a mall which has been cleared of like the whatever you want to call them the Walker zombies infected and I never played this DLC content and so that's when you first got the glimpse that Ellie had feelings for women. And it was a really good episode, and it shows uh, how Ellie got first bit. Mm. So it, it was really good. Um, I'm sure you caught up. Uh, did you watch The Mandalorian? Yeah, I watched it when I came home. What'd you think? I was into it. it, it I felt was, like it was a filler episode. All the first ones for Disney are. Yeah. And or Obi-Wan, The First Mandalorian. They were all filler episodes. Yeah. They wait till the middle to get good. Yeah, and I hope I hope the the pirate we were introduced to is not the big bad because he was kind of hokey. Yeah. He was like pizza the hut but vegetables. <laughs> it reminded me of a shitty uh Davy Jones from Pirates. Yeah, yeah. But I love like Rogu when um he's spinning around in the chair. And then he uses his power to get like the jelly beans. Of course, she she texted. She was watching. I was on the road. She started okay. watching it. I wasn't gonna stop her and make her yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're talking about the biggest Baby Yoda fan in the world. Yeah. And 
She's like, oh my god, he spun the chair with the force. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> my god. Um, yeah, but it was, uh, you know, and then I, I shared on my page, HBO and Disney came to an agreement to have a crossover. And it's, uh-oh, he froze for a second. Um, it was Pedro Pasquale and the girl from um, The Last of Us riding a horse. And Pedro Pasquale's holding Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure she'll say it um and then uh i saw yesterday that cocaine bears coming out on dvd april 18th so and you know what i know it's going to be dumb but i'm gonna watch it. i'm gonna watch it too just because elizabeth banks made it and i yeah, find but, her but fucking hilarious oh were you a fan of her charlie's angels then <laughs> She directed know. that reboot. Ah, I've never watched it. Yeah. Elizabeth Banks is funny. I love I loved her when I first discovered her. It was Scrubs. Okay. And um she was great in Zach and Miri make a porno. Yes, she was. That movie yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the only thing other horror related, I didn't watch the most recent episode of Wolfpack, which came out this past Thursday, but um I guess I went to bed at like eight o'clock last night. I woke up at two. And I was kind of wide awake, so I started watching on Amazon Prime the documentary about the It miniseries. Oh, I saw that on there. Yeah, yeah. It's about it's like uh, two hours, so I'll probably finish it over the weekend. But speaking of documentaries, you rewatched Never Sleep Again. I rewatched Never Sleep Again and mm-hmm. Camp Crystal Lake Memories. And I know you love Never Sleep Again. What did you think of Camp Crystal Lake Memories? It was good. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I wish they had a couple more actors, but I know a lot of people are hard to get a hold of. And, yeah. But who they had on was cool. Um, I mean, and plus you had Corey Feldman as your guest uh, host. That was interesting. <laughs> I wasn't in the narrow eight. Yeah, but yeah, that was it. Was a fun watch. It, I mean, I got through all six hours of it in like two days. So nice. Yeah, yeah, something like that. You got to break it up, or you're just, you know, I mean, you could if you start early in the morning. Well, I'm I'm stuck in a hotel room, and we were working seven to three shifts, so I had like from like three to ten to just kill. So I was just like, you know what, we're gonna put this on. Yeah, cool. Um, I just my friend mentioned me in a comment. There, I had to go back into it, but there is a PhD who's also an author. And has a podcast. He's doing, I, I don't know if it's like a lecture, but it's called In the Mind of a Serial Killer. Hmm. And it's at the Keswick Theater, which is like an hour south of me, uh, May 9th, which is a weekday, which sucks. It's That would be a Tuesday or Wednesday, I think. I might go. Tickets are only like $35. It'll be interesting. Irene's going to be in Tennessee, so I'll probably go solo. Yeah, I so. saw that. Good for her flying out, driving out there and flying back. Well, you know what, you know what, you know what the weird thing was the day she booked her flight to fly back to the Lehigh Valley Airport was the day that the Lehigh Valley Airport had um, a guy come in and on his carry on bag was explosives. Ah, yeah, he says it was uh, fireworks for because he was going to Orlando. They sell them down there. Right. And he never and he like ran away. They caught uh, they had him they have him clear as day on security surveillance, but they he I don't think I don't buy his story. No, nah, me neither. Yeah. And uh, uh one last thing before we get on to today's topic, that 
trial is over the Murdoch trial. That story, like, what the hell was his motive for killing his family? Like, I don't know. So, and like, apparently, because of this case, two unsolved murders or something were reopened that he has ties to. Wow. But um, Irene says there's a pretty good documentary about him on Netflix. She watched it the other day. All right, cool. So, I'll have to check that yeah. out. Yeah. Add that to the true crime segment. There, there you go. But today, um, oh, yeah. what else you got? You got anything else? Just uh, one thing. Go for my it. Mind. We are currently uh, setting a date to go to the Blairstown Diner. It'll be in April, end of April, and we're going to do our first movie filming location yep so we're gonna head out to the blairstown diner uh that saturday in april have some good breakfast there we're gonna talk to the owner and the manager of the diner have a little you know interview with them and then from there i'm gonna take jared to all the filming locations of the original friday the 13th very good yeah all right so we are continuing our nightmare on elm street Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Let's play the trailer for the highest grossing nightmare before Freddy vs. Jason. Do you know what terror is? Hello. Do you live here? Nobody lives here. Real terror. How long has it been since you've been on Elm Street? Welcome to a brand new nightmare. He is the first in fear. Second to none. Don't let them put you to sleep. He has no mercy and no equal. Now no one sleeps. Get ready. This August, your wildest dreams will come true. How sweet, fresh meat. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. The Dream Master. All right, A Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, 1988 American fantasy slasher film and the fourth installment of A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. The movie was directed by Rennie Harlan. The Dream Master was released on August 19th, 1988 and grossed $49.4 million at the domestic box office on a budget of $6.5 million. Mm which made it the highest-grossing film in the franchise in the United States until the release of Freddy vs. Jason. It did receive mixed critics. Now, reviews. was Freddy commercial before or after this? This was pretty much... In between 3 and 4 is when he catapulted. Okay. So after 4 is when the 900 number started, the mm. series started... What was the 900 number? Hey, you could talk to Freddy. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm i sure it was like $4 a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents get that phone bill. Jared, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily, I was a smart enough kid not to call that shit. 
There you go. But I remember seeing go. the commercials. They would always have the commercials on, and it would. They had the uh, the Fat Boys video on the box with Freddie <laughs> in it. Ah, uh, the box. And oh, then the man. the Will Smith cover that they got into a lot of trouble over, but nothing really happened out of it. Why? Because they sampled the instrumental. Yeah. Uh, okay. That was. A, I did they ever make a video for that? Yeah, there's a video for that. Is there? Okay, I don't I think they. Seen... I don't think they have Freddie in it. I think it was. Oh, uh, okay. Because I remember the Fat Boys video. Oh yeah, that I was awesome. Never saw the Will Smith one. Oh, a I nightmare. Mean, we got a slasher rapping. He's got yeah. a whole verse in that. Yeah. Oh, fucking Robert Englund. I love that man. Yeah. When I first saw this, I, I rented it. I was young, and I'm like. Who is this bitch? This isn't uh, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, Patricia Arquette. And, I, and, I didn't, I, and at that time, I didn't understand recasting roles. You know? So, what did you think of Tuesday Night as Kristen? She, no. It just, she didn't have the chemistry with the cast. Yeah. It didn't work. Um, what Rennie wanted, well, her and Rennie were seeing each other also, which led uh, to some okay. bullshit. Okay. But, um... I mean, she was, I think she's a good singer. She actually has a song on the soundtrack. You know what? And I would have to go back and listen to it because um, I never heard her sing. Like, I probably have, know the song. I just, like, never put two and two together. Now, do you know why Patricia Arquette didn't come back? Nobody knows. In here, it says it was that she wanted to do something else because she was becoming a star. Mm -hmm. Others have said money. Others have said that she just didn't want to do it. So there's right. no there's no hundred percent on why. Right, right. Okay. I wonder I wonder if it was like, well, you're killing my character off, you know? I was the savior of part three. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that there was no chemistry. Like you can see it on screen. Yeah. You know? I felt like her acting was kind of stale. Too. Very stale. The yeah. beach scene was stale. Her seeing the little girl was stale. Her running into Joey and Kincaid after feeling Freddy again was stale. Mm-hmm. She she didn't wow me in this. Right. Yeah. And this is uh, this has one of the dumbest fucking scenes in a nightmare film. Which one? We'll get into that. Okay. When we get to that death. Okay. All right. So in 1988, a year after the events of the previous film from Weston Hills. Kristen, Kincaid, and Joey have been released from Weston Hills and are back to their lives as normal teenagers with their families. However, Kristen still believes Freddie will come back when she dreams that she is in Freddie's old boiler room. She then summons Joey and Kincaid into the dream. Pretty cool dream. She ends up in front of the house, little girls painting Freddie on the sidewalk. Rain comes, washes out away. She looks up, there's the house. She goes in. Doesn't feel safe and brings in Joey and Kincaid. I don't remember. See, I haven't watched this one in a while, so I forget how. I forget that she brought him in. Yeah, she and she's like, "Hi guys." Uh, <laughs> I just I just remember like the night after. Because didn't didn't she also brought in the dog too, Jason? Right or no? She didn't bring Jason. Kind of just ended up there to wake Freddie up. She wasn't okay. really pulled in. I think the dog followed. Uh, Kincaid in. Right, because remember, like, didn't Kincaid, I remember Kincaid mentioning, like, um, like, he doesn't, he didn't get any sleep, and he's mean when he gets, when he doesn't get sleep, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. my dog's just mean as me when we were going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Joey and Kincaid are upset that she re- has reverted to her old ways back when they were in Weston Hills. To keep her calm, they take her to the boiler and show her that it's ice cold. Kristen had also summoned Kincaid's dog into the dream. So apparently she did bring yeah. the dog, but that doesn't That's make right. sense the in the movie. Jumps, yeah, the dog jumps out of the boiler room. Um, I think Chris, and Kincaid also says, Freddy's dead and concentrated. <laughs> <laughs> And then they awake in their rooms. The next day, Kristen meets up and does some of her shitty acting with her boyfriend and martial arts enthusiast, Rick Johnson. Hello, babe. Like, like <laughs> he was a good actor. Why'd they make him so fucking goofy? Like, he was believable. He was, he was a Kmart Christian Slater. Yeah. And it, it worked <laughs> for that. Yeah. But they just made him over the top. Ah. Uh, and their friends. Rick's shy and quiet sister, Alice... Lisa Wilcox, Sheila, Toy Newkirk, and asthmatic genius Debbie. With huge glasses. Yeah, played by yeah. Brooke Thies, who looks exactly the fucking same that she did in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't like bugs. Yeah. <laughs> A tough girl who does not like bugs. Kincaid and Joey confront Kristen at school about their dream. They tell her to let it go, that their days of fighting and dreams are over, and if she keeps it going, she might accidentally bring Kruger back. So, the the boys are done with it. They want to go on mm-hmm. with their lives. She's dating Rick, who, you know, is a fake Christian Slater. Then you have Alice, who... Alice is awesome at what makes this movie watchable. Because yeah. you can watch her grow... After every death, so it's like yeah. They, so she gets their powers. She gets their powers, happy. but she changes like her whole appearance. Well, I love the end fight scene when she does like a Rambo style when she's getting ready. Oh, she looks just <laughs> like fucking um. She looks just like Sigourney Weaver and Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Same yeah. shit. I mean, yeah. it it was definitely modeled after that. So yeah. it was cool how they had her grow. That's yeah. why I like this movie. And it had some good kills, and the dumbest fucking kill ever. Alright, so... I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And it was done because of monetary reasons. I found that out in Never Sleep Again. But we'll get there. Yeah. That night, Kristen stays awake to keep herself from dreaming, but Kincaid falls asleep. He awakens in a junkyard where Freddy has accidentally been resurrection. And this is great. I love it because poor Jason. He's like, Jason? And then Jason must have some UTI going on. Oh, because yeah. he, he pisses fire. <laughs> they um they had a bit on Never Sleep Again when Rennie Harlan met with... Uh... Oh, I just had his name. Who's the director of Titanic? James Cameron. Okay. So they were talking to James Cameron. He's like, oh, so how are you bringing back Freddy this time? He goes... Dog pisses fire <laughs> with a big, thick Viking accent. Nice. So uh, he's like, oh, all right, cool. It's just funny that the dog's name is Jason. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. A little nod to little, my boy. A little nod. A little nod. Yeah. All right. So King K puts up a good fight against Freddy, but Freddy overpowers him. And Kincaid screams for Kristen, but Freddy reaches him and kills him. Nice little jam into the heart. I'll see you in hell. And Freddy goes, tell him Freddy sent you. (laughs) It was a good line. Yeah, I thought it was a little hokey with like, 
when he's like, Kristen, Freddy's back. And then the big up. zoom out. Yeah. Yeah. A little hokey there. You could see that it was painted. Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's 88. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, and, then he, and then he wakes up. <laughs> yeah. And then Jason's, poor Jason's like, Kincaid. <laughs> but he didn't, but you know, here's the thing now. He, you know, he wakes up in his dream dying, but there's no marks. Like, am I right? Like, there was no blade marks in his No, because they all just look like apparent sudden yeah. deaths. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this was a fun kill. Oh, great kill. Joey's watching MTV and listens to music in his room on his waterbed. He begins to fall asleep and discovers a model with her boobies out from one of his posters swimming in his waterbed. So he's all excited, like, how do I get you out of here? <laughs> Freddie jumps out of the waterbed and attempts to drown Joey. Joey screams for Kristen to help, but Freddie stabs him and kills him. That oh. was a cool cinematic scene. The yeah. water's splashing, the glove comes up, goes down, and all the water turns red. Yeah. Awesome scene. And then, you know, again, with his one-liners, how how's this for a wet dream? <laughs> and then his mom, like, you know, it was great because I remember those MTV commercials, like with the cab driver or whatever it was. Yes, I need my MTV. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I need my MTV. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the mom comes in because I think, um, I forget if, like, the, if he was wearing headphones or something, but it was loud. And or she's picking up after him, and that's when she takes his sheets off, and he's in the waterbed. Yeah, like how the hell are you going to explain that one? <laughs> yeah, that one was all right. So Joey's um, perverted ways got him killed again. Fucking yeah. Joey and his titties. <laughs> uh, at school the next day, Kristen panics when she notices that Joey and Kincaid are missing, and accidentally knocks herself out as Rick attempts to calm her. And Freddie tries to get her as the nurse's office as the nurse. Like yes. it's Robert, Robert England in drag. <laughs> looking like looking like a Kmart copy of Dustin Hoffman and from Tootsie. Yes. Yeah, it was it was funny. But a cool scene. He's shooting blood all over the room. How did he um oh so okay, never mind. I just answered my own question. So I'm like, how did he attack Kristen? I'm reading the notes. It was because he was a nurse. Yeah. So, and yeah. she knocked herself out. So she was yeah. out cold. Freddie tries to attack Kristen as the school nurse wakes her up. Kristen feels guilty about staying awake when she learns that Kincaid and Joey were found dead. She later tells Rick, Alice, and Allison's crush, Dan Jordan, about Freddie. She vows to avenge Kincaid and Joey. Pretty cool scene. They, they end up at the house. And then Dan kind of—that's right, yeah. The boyfriend kind of gives the backstory to Dan, and you know, Dan's the new kid in town. He doesn't know the legend, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool because it's like that's relatable because we all have that old haunted house on the street that we all made yeah. up stories yeah. about. And this is where Kristen's mom pulls up in her Kristen, Kristen, underlay, underlay, <laughs> and this is like uh, right around like. She's like the evil mom from Beverly Hills 90210. I never watched it, so. Well, that's what she reminds me of. Okay. When, yeah. You never watched 90210? No, man. How un-American of you. No, fuck that California <laughs> shit. I had no time for that. All right. So Kristen realizes that her mother has put sleeping pills in her dinner, but falls asleep as she tries to run out of the dining room. You just killed me. Mm-hmm. And more shitty acting. 
Kristen starts to dream. Freddy overcomes her attempts to repel him and forces her back to his home. Since Kristen is the last of the Elm Street children still alive, Freddy goads Kristen in the summering one of her friends into the dream. But let's before we get to that, let's um let's open up this scene. She's uh I think she feels like she escaped him because she wakes up on a beach. Yes. And okay. Then you, see, <laughs> you can take it away. You have a shark coming through the water, metal shark that turns into a Freddy glove. Runs into the beach, explodes up Freddy Krueger, who just fashionably puts on a set of Ray-Bans. That's how I love that man, because it's like, you take it seriously, but you don't, because it's funny. Well, Homeboy should have put on some um, SPF, because, you know, he's got some bad skin there. <laughs> Pretty sure his skin's already fucked up beyond repair, so I think he's alright. But uh, she was actually supposed to be in a bikini. Like, she had the bikini top, but apparently it was a thong bikini. And um, she wouldn't go out in public with them. Like, you're an actress. Just go show your ass. Like, people right, aren't right. here for your IQ. And the bikini was kind of dumb anyway, because I think it had, like, the little frilly flaps. It did. It did. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know. Your typical late 80s bikini. But uh, Rennie Harlan was on the Never Sleep Again. Saying, oh, your honey looks so cute. Teenage boys, <laughs> I love it. Go out there, run. <laughs> so she, did, she fought with that. And that, you know, kind of hindered her and Robert thing so okay. she ends up falling through the sand i believe into the house yeah so she's going through the house she ends up in the boiler room freddie's trying to tell her to you know get him some more meat yeah so like an asshole she calls alice into her dream and freddie throws Kristen into the boiler but before she dies Kristen gives alice her dream power alice wakes up with the okay so she's burning away Alice wakes up with the sense that something's wrong. Her and Rick run to Kristen's house. When they get there, they see that Kristen's bedroom is fully on fire with her in it. Yeah. Good scene out of those two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I liked Rick, but they just played him so fucking stupid. Right, right. And I believe um, <laughs> the next day, we I think we open up at the uh, cemetery. I think it's in this scene we see some familiar names on the headstones. Yes. Yeah. Or was it Rick? No, it was Rick's funeral we started okay. seeing. Which is great for continuity purposes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of good continuity in this series. That's why it's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. So later, Alice falls asleep during class and inadvertently brings Sheila into her dream. Now, this was a weird scene, but a cool scene. Let's suck face. <laughs> well, before that, there's some like robot figure that grabs her that comes out of the desk. Oh, yeah, because she's into, like, technology and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So a little robot attacks her. She's, she's got that zapper or whatever. Yeah. yeah. She's reading through the books, and, uh, you know, Freddy's right in there with the glove or whatever. And then Freddy's the teacher peeling the apple. Mm-hmm. And then it was cool because, like, they're the only two that could see it, and all the other kids are just doing their work. Like, yeah. nothing's going on. Cool scene. Freddy picks her up, sucks the soul out of her, and throws her to the bench. And then she has a massive asthma attack and yeah. dies in the class. So Freddy kills Sheila and makes it look like an asthma attack. Rick yeah. starts to believe Alice, but the following day he has uh, before before we break into this, I think maybe it was that night, maybe Rick teaches Alice martial oh, arts. Oh karate, yeah. <laughs> and she kicks her shoe into the fish tank. <laughs> Swoosh, kill the fish. 
Yeah, I mean, you start seeing Alice grow at that point. Yeah, I like, I like, I like Rick. I just hate. Yeah, because was was it in the Shield of Death where when Alice gets her ability or something, she like kicks back or something, right? Yeah, yeah. She gets thrown back in a chair and gains, I guess, technology expert now. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Freddy kills Sheila. Yep. He has a dream where an invisible Freddy attacks him in a martial arts dojo. Yeah, because he's taking a crap and he gets out of the stall and it's like a dojo. Well, he's in the elevator. Well, no, you know what it was? Um, yeah, he gets in the elevator. Well, no, but didn't cheer uh, cheerleaders come in, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, both. Yeah. When the door opens, okay. he's in a toilet. Oh, okay. But that elevator scene was supposed to be his end. It was supposed to be a lot more, a lot bigger, and Freddy attacks him in the elevator. Like, mm. claws come in from the window and, oh, like, nice. slice them down. But they ran out of money. Okay. So what they did, because they didn't want to put Freddy in makeup for, you know, eight hours for this scene, they had him fight a stunt glove. In this room, they just covered in sheet. I think they said they spent, like, $20 making this scene. Because they were completely out of money by the time right. they shot it. And it's the worst fucking death in Nightmare history. Yeah, because he's like shadow boxing or karate. And, yeah. and then he, he knocks his glove off and he thinks he won. And, and then, then the Freddy's spewing like martial arts lines. Like, oh, yeah. one must be silent. To do this. Like, shut the fuck <laughs> up. This is so stupid. Yeah. So this this pissed me off, this scene. It, it, it always Because this could have been as good as three. Without stupid little things like this, like well, yeah, Tuesday you, night, if, and then this. Just well, if you notice, the tone of the movie wasn't as dark as Part Three. It was campy. Yeah, it was definitely campy. Yeah, they were starting to have fun with it. I mean, it was yeah. it, it was the right fucking decision. Four, five, and six were very <laughs> four, four, five, yeah, and six four, five, and six. Campy. Yeah, five tried to be serious, but it failed. Yeah, but uh, so. Rick fights him and manages to knock his glove off. However, the glove levitates and stabs him, killing him. With each death, Alice changes. She gains the abilities and personalities of her dead friends. She makes plans with Debbie and Dan to fight and kill Freddy together. But when her father keeps her in, hell of a job by that dad, by the way. Because he played a mean son of a bitch rather well. Yeah. And he's still alive today. He does conventions. Oh, does he? Very good. I mean, he's very rare, but... I saw him within the past year or so at some convention. I think I did, too, now that you're bringing that up. Alice falls asleep. Through Alice, through Alice, Freddy stalks Debbie. So two kind of cool scenes happen here. She's supposed to be meeting Dan. So you have the time-lapse scene. Where it keeps repeating itself. Yeah, which is good. Cool scene. You see the Craven Diner, which, you know, is so funny to me still. And then you have Freddy coming after the workout girl. And that scene was Mm. fucking phenomenal. Cool ass scene. One of the coolest deaths ever. She's turning into a cockroach. And when her face came off to unveil the final cockroach, holy shit, that was so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they have the big screen showing Freddy looking in to see what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Such a cool scene. One of my yeah. favorite deaths ever. 
So through Alice, Freddy stalks Debbie, transforms her into a cockroach, and crushes her in a roach motel. Using Debbie's temper, Alice tries to ram Freddy. Now, but, but before this, they go into the diner, and this is where we see the pizza, right? Nope, after. Oh, okay. Did I stump you? <laughs> Because, uh, wow, now you got me confused. So, no, no, that was after. Because Dan's, uh, Dan's incapacitated. Right, She's yeah, by herself. Yeah. And, you know, this scene was great. Uh, I actually talked to Mick Strong about this because he was, he, Mick Strong worked on this. And I think he worked a little bit on part three. But, like, um, yeah, I think he talked about this scene where she rams the truck. And I forget, like, the total conversation, but he said if you watch it, like, in slow motion, you can see, like, the hookup to the motorcycle on the truck when, they, when it collides <laughs> and it takes it off. <laughs> this was the, I, I like the scene. Like, she she sees Freddy, but it's actually a tree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, she thinks she can kill him that way. And poor, who's, who suffers? Poor Dan. Yeah. Poor Dan. Yeah. Being terrorized this whole series. Mm-hmm. So, using Debbie's temper, Alice just tries to ram Freddy, but collides with a tree in reality, injuring Dan. As Dan is rushed into surgery, Alice returns home and readies herself to join him and face Freddy. In a dream, Alice rescues Dan, and, well, before that is when she's asleep in the Craven Diner. Before mm -hmm. that, she's in a movie theater. That was That's an awesome right. scene. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's sitting in the old theater, and in the off in the distance, you see everyone he's killed. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Joey, Kincaid, and so on. But the popcorn starts going towards the screen. Yeah. Awesome scene. Then all of a sudden, she's hanging on, trying not to get sucked into the scene. Then she ends up in the Craven Diner right, yeah, when yeah, she yeah. sees her old self, which is a fear of hers. And then Freddy shows up with the, Rick, you little meatball! <laughs> I do need to get one of those pizzas. They do sell it. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It, it, is it like an actual size or smaller? Yeah, it's real size. So it's oh like nice. Oh, you know, we, we forgot to talk about after Rick dies. Um, she's at the cemetery and he comes out of the coffin. Hello, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a trick to fool Freddy. Yeah. No, you're really dead. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to like Rick. I don't know. They just they did Rick dirty. They should have gave him a real Freddy scene. Yeah, but uh, I, I was I was liking Rick. All right, in a dream, Alice rescues Dan, and the two find themselves in an old church. Pretty cool scene. As they're walking through, there's one of those old funhouse tunnels. Mm -hmm. So he's up there spinning it. They're all falling and fall through the stained glass. I thought that was a cool scene. Yeah. So Dan gets injured in the dream, which promptly his surgeons to wake up. Now Alice has to fight Freddy alone. Freddy has the upper hand due to his experience, but she uses her friend's dream powers against him. And this is when she's all rip rippled up, right? Yeah, she's a, she's yeah. she's Ripley at this point. Okay. When he is about to win, Alice remembers a nursery rhyme called the Dream Master. She recites it, recites it, and. Da, 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 and forces Freddy to face his own reflection, which causes the souls within him to revolt. Cool and scene. Prior to this, this is when he rips his shirt, right? And you see the souls of the children. Was that in this movie? 
No, that was three when he showed the souls of the children. Was it? Oh, yeah, because he funny. cut. He's like, it's the souls of my kids. Oh, yeah. That's he might right. have done another one like this in here. Okay, but well, I know this is where we see Leanna Quigley, right? No, like, no, five. Okay. <laughs> this is when the all the wait. Not sure. I'd have to get back to you on that. No, no, it is four because it is four. Yeah, yeah. Because the hands and stuff are coming. Yes, yeah. The hands are coming. And, and that then was he, cool. Yeah, cool yeah. scene. Yeah. I'd love to get a hold of that Freddy bus that they built to fit people in it. Because I think really? that thing was like ten feet tall. Holy crap. Yeah, she was like it was like size when Quigley threw her boobies up against the oh, wall. Oh, okay. Nice. So yeah, that thing was huge. And apparently it fell and almost killed someone, too. Oh, wow. Yep, yep, yep. So, she recites it to force Freddy to face his own reflection with causes of soul. So, basically, she didn't need to recite it. She just needed a a, a mirror. Sting, yeah, a paint of sting, <laughs> I think it was like stained glass from the church or something, yeah. right? Yeah. The strain tears Freddy apart. Alice's friend's souls are released and leaves Freddy as a hollow husk. Shitty graphics, but mm-hmm. ghosts were hard to make in '88. They made yeah. them look like little kids as they were coming out. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I hated that. That bothered me for a long time too. Months later, Dan and Alice are on a date when Dan tosses a coin into the fountain. For a moment, Alice sees Freddy's reflection in the water, implying that Freddy is still alive, but she ignores it. Dan asks her what she wished for, but Alice did not tell him as they walk away from the fountain. So it was kind of like getting back to like, and then we know part one and two with that implied. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's not over yet. Yeah. So we had Lisa Wilcox as Alice. So Wilcox was not initially considered for the lead role of Alice. In the film, she plays a more timid version of the character. So uh, Danny Hassel is Dan Jordan. Robert England as Freddy Krueger and Nurse. <laughs> Tuesday night as Kristen Parker. Brooke Thies as Debbie Stevens. Ken Segos as Ronald K- Roland. Kincaid. And here's a little um, with Brooke Thies. She's got a connection with Heather Langenkamp because they were on the same show together. Yep, just the ten of us. Ten of us. And I think... Um, in that I think Brooke Thesis' character was like the like Heather Langenkamp was the goody two shoes of the sisters and Brooke Thies was like the rule breaker. Uh, yeah. Nope. I don't remember it at all. I know I, I watched remember, it, but I, I can't I remember. The reruns. Yeah, basically uh, it's a spin-off of Growing Pains. Because the 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 father is like the coach of the basketball team, and that was his character in Growing Pains. And then he gets a job coaching, I think, a girls basketball team uh, out somewhere else. I gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember it. Uh, Rodney Eastman returned as Joey Crusell for about five minutes. Hmm. Andrus Jones as Rick Johnson. Toy Newkirk as Sheila. Nicole Maley as Mr. Dennis Johnson. Huh. Who's th- oh, that's Nicholas Milley? Milley? That's, the, that's the dad, right? Yeah, that's the dad. Yeah. And Brooke Bundy as Elaine Parker. And then we have Lena Quigley as the soul from Freddy's chest. <laughs> Her chest was coming out of the chest. Yes. All right. Franchise origin originator Wes Craven presented his own pitch for the fourth Elm Street film, but producer Sarah Reiser and Robert Shea turned it down, instead going with the Dream Master pitch as a progression of the Dream Warriors concept. 
Reicher explained that initially, I approached West for an idea for the fourth film. I always go to West first each time. His idea was illogical. It was about time travel with dreams that broke all the rule of dreams. We decided not to go with that. When we decided to go with Kotzwinkel's Dream Master idea, we, which we thought was terrific, I told Wes we were doing that. So how can you break the rules of dreams if dreams there really are no rules? <laughs> I wonder what Wes's... I mean, I really would like to hear Wes's idea. Yeah, well, I know, but... We, hey, at least, he, at least they didn't put him in space. Right, it never reached space. <laughs> I'm waiting for Michael Myers to go to space. That's the only fucking thing left. It's coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shea felt that Craven's idea did not have the impact the producers were looking for. Craven and his writing partner, Bruce Wagner, were later contacted about doing rewrites for the script, but turned down the offer as Craven felt that they should have been approached as artists of the original material. Brian Helgen was at New Line Cinema around Christmas 1987 about a script named Highway to Hell. A pitch that was turned down by them and would not be realized until 1992. The company was desperate to get Nightmare 4 going as they lacked both the script and a director for the film at the same time. And Rennie Harlan did talk about this. He said, mm-hmm. we didn't even have the script, but we had the release date and the poster. Like, he oh, didn't wow. know how all this shit was coming together. That's oh, crazy. Tom McLaughlin also said that after completing Jason Lives Friday the 13th Part 6, New Line offered him the job on Dream Master. Hmm. His one caveat was that he wanted creative control. The studio could not adhere to that demand, specifically because they had already begun filming without any director. So they started filming before even Rennie Harlan was there. Wow. So they probably did that kung fu scene during that, but I I would have liked to see what Tom McLaughlin would have done. Oh, I think I think he would have. I think Freddie Part Four could have been a turning point, like how Jason Six was. Yeah, like Tom McLaughlin, he's 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 got some good stuff under his belt. He does. That was a great movie. I, yeah, it was my favorite. Obviously. He say he saved the franchise. He did for them just to send him to Manhattan <laughs> and and space. I don't like. I know they were filling time before Freddy vs. Jason. That's yeah. why Jason X and uh, well, they 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 had to make that awful space movie to retain the rights. Yeah, because I know Jason goes to hell was supposed to be Freddy vs. Jason, but shit went sour. Then I know Jason X was supposed to be Freddy vs. Jason, but shit went sour. Then they yeah. finally fucking made Freddy vs. Jason. It took them. Um, um... Gosh, 10, six, 16 years, I think, around that time to get the damn 16 years and 17 scripts. Yep. <laughs> I heard it was closer to 50 scripts. No, I actually have a book and um, called Slash of the Titans. Ah. And there's a chapter dedicated to each script. And they interview the script writers for each script. That's cool. But who knows? Maybe there was, and they were just so ludicrous. They're like, we're not even going to put it in a book. Probably. <laughs> like the one guy I was talking about, he did a cult of Freddy fans called Fredheads. Yes. Yep. Which are a real thing now because they made another Fredhead documentary. I don't think it's out yet, but they've been. Because hmm. I turned in a tape for it. Oh, did you? Yeah. Nice. I mean, 
<laughs> so when I finished Friday, I was offered Nightmare 4, went to New Line, met with them, and said, I love Freddy, I would love to do one of these, but I really want to do what I just did, where I had creative control, he explained. And they go, well, we're already shooting. What? Yeah. We're already shooting. We're shooting like two different units for the visual effects and something else. Puppets or something. And I said, without a director? Yeah, we kind of know what, how we're going to make these things. And I went, that's not the way I work. So he turned it down, which of course made Nightmare 4 director Rennie Harlan's career. What else has Rennie done? I, I think he did, um, what was that? He's Sly Stallone, Cliffhanger. I think he did Cliffhanger. Let's look him up real quick. Because I know he started with a movie named Prison. Which they showed a couple clips of. Uh, yeah, I think um, Kane Hodder was like the monster or whatever in that movie. He's had a hell of a career. We have Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, oh, okay. The Long Kiss Goodnight, oh, Deep yeah. Blue Sea. Okay. Yeah, so he's got some cool shit under his thing. Okay. He did Driven. Driven. Uh, Exorcist The Beginning. Um. Yeah, so he's done a kind okay. of a lot. What's his most recent film? He did Blast from the Past. Ugh. Alicia Silver Silverstone and Brendan Fraser. That that movie wouldn't hold up in today's <laughs> No. <laughs> no. His latest movie was The Misfits. It has uh uh Pierce Bronson in it. I don't know that one. I don't know what the hell that is. All right, so there we go. Eventually, the director's work was given to Finnish-born Rennie Harlan, who had previously directed only two low-budget feature films, a Finnish action film, Born American, in 1986, and an American horror film, Prison, in 1987. Rachel Talalay claims that she and the other producers felt that since the audience was so familiar with Freddy at this stage, it would be harder to replicate the scare factor for the first two films. Instead, they decided to continue in the same vein of Dream Warriors rather than focus on pure horror. Harlan felt that Freddy had become the James Bond of the series, yeah. that the audience roots for Freddy instead of the thing. And he's not and, wrong. I mean, and Rachel Talley, she would go on to direct um, Freddy's Dead, I think. Yep, she's, she's yeah. the only one that's had a hand in every Nightmare film. Really? Yeah. Wow. Going back to the original? Yep. Nice. So when they were ready to kill off Freddy, they brought her in to finish it. That's cool. Which was good. I mean, people will say it got campy, but the camp brought the money. You can't fucking deny the amount of merch, everything we talked about earlier. If you kept it serious, like, look at Halloween. We could say, without the last two, Halloween never got funny. Never got, never made fun of itself. You know what I mean? Or, well, not cons- inadvertently. Res- to me, resurrection. Yeah, but resurrection. Well, I think. they were trying with resurrection. So that's yeah. like, look at Nightmare Four. Freddy's talking like fucking, you know, Mister Game Show host. So yeah, that yeah, yeah. that was purpose. Wasn't in part four when he was like, first they tried burning me. No, that was Freddy's dead. Was it? Oh, yeah, when he's talking to his daughter. <laughs> yep. ah, see, I don't know the franchise like you. Say, I got you. <laughs> I got you. We've reached a point where the audience sees Freddy as the hero. They come to these movies to hear his funny lines and do these amazing things. And because of that popularity, I'm faced with showing Freddy in a more heroic light and giving him more screen time. People will still fear him, but they will also be cheering him on. 
Do you have the Freddy, the Talking Freddy doll? I never read. I don't, because it's. Mm. I'm looking for the right price and a good box. A lot of the okay. boxes are fucked up. Gotcha. Because do you remember the? I think it was the Berlin Mart or maybe the Columbus Mart that he the shitty toy store that was in there with all the things were collapsed inside. He had a bunch of Star Wars toys in there. Oh, I think that's the Berlin Mart. Yeah, that was never open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had one and he wanted like 150 for it with the box mm. shredded. I found box shredded on eBay for 50, so wow. He, no, we're not doing that, bro. Yeah. So, another fun f- fact, over 600 actresses auditioned for the role of Alice. Holy crap. Which was eventually given to Lisa Wilcox. Wilcox had previously auditioned for a role in the previous film, Dream Warriors, but failed to land it. In Never Sleep Again, director Harlan describes that he and the producers were looking for somebody he could make seem timid and vulnerable in the beginning, and who can then, in an unbelievable way, become kind of like Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. So just like we said. And I think she pulled it off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, she was she was great. Ellie Cornell has claimed that she was in line for auditioning for a lead role on Nightmare on Elm Street franchise in 1988. In horror films of the 1980s, she's described that New Line Cinema was looking for an Ellie Cornell prototype, a girl next door. But she had already landed the role of Rachel Carruthers, Carruthers in Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Shortly before auditioning the role, <coughs> excuse me. I think she would have fit there. Yeah, she she would have. I mean, people love her portrayal of Rachel in part four, and were pissed off with her killing off in part five. Um, you kind of went over uh, the Patricia Arquette story. Oh, uh, we could get into that. Yeah. I just know that there's no closure to it, so I was just going <laughs> to... So basically, they offered her a hefty sum of money, but she turned it down because she didn't want to get typecast for being in horror films. And, like, you could say Patricia Arquette had a hell of a career, but did she? She was hot for a couple of years. I mean, I would have stuck with this, because this would have yeah. kept yeah. you... I mean, the only other role that I remember her in was... <sighs> She was in, I think she was in a movie with Christian Slater, and it was in a tone of like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, um, what was yeah. that? Was that uh, Two Days in the Valley or no? Bad Romance. Bad, bad romance, romance. I think it was. True, bad. No, no, no. True Romance. True, true romance. romance. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a good movie. But you know, she comes from a lineage of great actors. Like in the early '80s, her sister Rosanna. She was a James Bond girl. She was uh, the princess in Red Sonia. Um, and then I think was there another sister that or was she? I think there was also another sister in the Wonder Years. I th- if I'm thinking right, if I'm I thinking believe right so, one. yeah. Um, and then of course, you know David Arquette. But David stuck with the Scream series. Well, and even look, before, look what that before, turned into. Right, even before that, like his, I think his first movie was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And then, you know, he was the fun brother in Never Been Kissed. Yes. Um, but yeah, then you have Scream. Scream, like, and I really didn't know David Arquette that well until Scream. Yeah. And then, and like, I, I just, he did one, two, and three, stuck with it, and then he catapulted. Yeah. I mean, Patricia came back to the media when she was on the TV show Medium. Yeah. 
And then she did that for however many years. And then I think she was like on a CSI show after that. And then she did a couple. She she did a season of Boardwalk Empire. Yes. But, you know, she was really good in the Hulu um, series about the mom that had um, that was making her daughter sick. Oh, Um, yeah. She was great in it. I think she won an Emmy for that or Golden Globe. So, yeah, I guess she turned into her career. Yeah, but she, she, I think she was kind of, to me, I mean, I can see where she wouldn't be typecast, but look at other actors who got their big breaks in a horror movie and never forgot where they came from. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she could have, she would be huge in conventions, but I think if she did multiple, she would have been even bigger. Like, everyone's coming after Charlie Hunnan right now, but give that like three years, that's going to burn off a little bit. Yeah. I don't think it'll have the staying power as Robert or, um, and you know what? It might, but I think if she stuck with it, she could have made a bigger career. Can you imagine if she started doing horror conventions, her lines would be out the door. Yeah. Yeah. For a little while, because once you get it, you're going to kind of be done with her. True. True. I mean, Dream Warriors was the best in the franchise, so she'll probably always have a line. It'd be great if we can get a true Dream Warriors reunion. That'd be it. Her in her. I don't yeah. think we could ever do that. No. I don't, shit. What do you think that is? 180K in her pocket? I'd do it in a fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so filming. The creative process was bogged down by the untimely 1988 Writers Guild of America strike running from March 7th to August 7th, 1988, forcing Harlan and the producers to improvise much during the filming. Lisa Wilcox and Andres Jones wrote their own dialogue for Alice and Rick after the death of Kristen while watching their old home videos, such as, I saw it happen in my dream. Many of the nightmare scenes were made up of ideas Harlan came up rather than the script. Hmm. The film features the car junkyard set from Nightmare 3, this set was conceptualized by production manager Mick Strawn, who worked as art director and handled effects on the previous film. Strawn also came up with the truck crash scene in the kaleidoscope hallway. I like that kaleidoscope hallway. Mm-hmm. The junkyard set is the only set used in more than one film. The set was built and filmed at a landfall in Pacoma, California. According to the Never Sleep Again documentary, producer Rachel Talalay recounted the meeting between director Rennie Harlan and James Cameron, inquired how Freddy was being arrested for the film, resurrected for the film, and to which Harlan replied, a dog pisses fire. <laughs> uh, we got some music videos. Since the Nightmare on Elm Street series was popular, many of the songs on the soundtrack had music videos. The Fat Boys' Are You Ready for Freddy music video featured Robert England. The storyline of the video is that one of the Fat Boys inherits the M Street house on the condition that he has to stay in it for the night. The video includes Freddy rapping and audio of Heather Langenkamp's line, Don't Fall Asleep, from the original film. The music video was on the bonus disc, the Nightmare series encyclopedia of the Nightmare on Elm Street collection. I remember that one. I, I still have that. Yeah, I gave that. I when I got the Blu-ray set, I gave that away to one. Of it's the still in there. Oh, is it? Yeah, you can still. I think it's that last disc is that actual okay. game you play. The only the only part of the rap that I remember is you've got the body and I've got the brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Vinnie Vincent's Invasions Love Kills music video features scenes from the film. 
box office. We already went over the release date. The mm-hmm. film ranked number one on its opening weekend and grossed $12.8 million. I'm going to put up real quick what movies came out that weekend. Let's see do it. Up. Okay. I believe it was up against something big. I don't remember. And they released it in August. I like to see more horror movies come out yes. throughout the year. We do not need every fucking horror movie to come out in October. Right, right. Okay, so movies that came out. Wow, movies that came out that weekend. Young Guns. Good movie. Die Hard. Wow. Fish Called Wanda. Wow. Um. Well, no, hold on. Wow, shit. Hold on. Well, I'll just put what, okay. Now, they didn't come out, but this is what was playing at the time. Okay, so Young Guns, Die Hard, Fish Called Wanda, Cocktail. Um. Okay, so. All right. Yeah, so in second place was Young Guns. So maybe Young, Young Guns was two weeks out at this point. Uh, no, shoot, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Actually, okay. So Young Guns was two weeks out. Um, so it was up against Young Guns. That was the only new thing that came out that weekend. But we have Die Hard that was out was out for six weeks. Fish Called Wanda was out for six weeks. Cocktail was out for four four weeks. Wow, Disney was the distributor on Cocktail. Uh Who Frame Roger Rabbit was out for nine weeks. Yeah, Married to the Mob, Tucker the Man's Dream, Coming to America, and Midnight Run. Wow. So some good movies. Yeah. And I love Young Guns. So I, let's see. Uh, Young Guns oh, it destroyed movie. Young Guns by seven million dollars. Or Damn. no, um, twelve million eight hundred. Yeah, twelve million. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it destroyed seven million dollars more was the gross. So yeah. No, I'm sorry. Okay, so the total gross. Okay, so. Young Guns total gross was only five million dollars that weekend. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The total gross was twelve million dollars, eight hundred thirty-three thousand four, and I'm in Elm Street four. Young Guns did surpass it by four million, but still, it had a two-week head start. Opening opening weekend, it it made seven thousand dollars more than uh, Young Guns. Okay. So. On the second weekend, the film still ranked number one and grossed six point nine million. Mm. It was in first place on the third weekend, then at second, fourth, and sixth in the next three weeks until it dropped out of the top ten list in the seventh weekend at number eleven. And this grosses is only domestic; it doesn't count for yep. international. So the film grossed forty nine thousand three hundred and sixty nine. I mean forty nine forty nine million. Uh, yeah. So. Overseas, it dominated more overseas yep. than the total gross. Wow. Uh, it was the 19th highest grossing film in 1988. It was the highest grossing Nightmare on Elm Street until Freddy vs. Jason was released in 2003. It is currently the third highest grossing film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. So, okay, so Freddy vs. Jason is number one. What would be number two? I think um, maybe New Nightmare. Yeah, I, I, you know, and it's surprising that that's the, it's surprising that, like, Freddy's Dead didn't make more money than, you would think, oh, they're killing yeah, off Freddy. Uh, go out to the what happened was fucking the dream child happened, is why um, Freddy's Dead tanked at the theater. Gotcha. 
Because I didn't even go to the theater to see Freddy's Dead. I waited for video and I bought it. Really? Yeah. Because I was so pissed with Dream Child that I just was like, I'll watch. And then that becoming one of my favorite because he's funny in it. And it's just so campy and ridiculous that I like watching it. Right, right. All right, so some fun facts we got. We only got a couple. And we probably maybe already covered them. First film in the franchise where Robert England received top billing in the opening credits. You would have thought by part three he would have got top billing. Well, you had Heather. It was a st- well. I don't know who got top billing in three. Because by by part three, he should have definitely to- had it in two. It was no names. Yeah, yeah. And really, in one, it should have been fucking John Saxon. <laughs> Even though he had like ten minutes of screen yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> But he would have easily been the top beller. Yeah. It was the highest grossing horror film in 1988. The success of this film convinced producers to create Freddy's Nightmares. Which, I mean, Freddy's Nightmares was really just an anthology, kind of like... Um, it was Tales from the Crypt, but yeah, shittier budget. Yeah, and that was like syndicated. It wasn't on a... Actual station, I don't think. Well, and they—that's correct. And the stations got to choose when they wanted to play it. So some idiots were playing this at like five in the afternoon after like the church coverage. Like what? Yeah. So it threw all the parents in the Midwest throughout. Is that available on like a box set? No. No. You have some guys that have made it a DVD, Mm -hmm. but it's iffy when it comes to. Because you know how you have the regions for DVDs? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Some of them are kind of hard to find. Now, if they did release a true box set, would you get it? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I don't know if I'd watch them. I, I know I've seen most of them, but I was I was a kid when I watched most of them, so I don't remember yeah. shit. I remember very few. Th- I remember Brad Pitt being in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember... Oh, wow. um, uh, Tank Girl. Uh, Lori Petty. Lori Petty being decapitated in it. Oh, it, nice. Yeah, it was it was funny. I, I remember when Tubi, I think it was last year, uh, Tubi had put him out, and I didn't finish the first one the, where it's like kind of like where he's on trial. I thought it was pretty cool, but it's so slow. Yeah, it is it's slow. Yeah. And some of them are fucking crazy. And what they got away with is just fucking remarkable. It's like they didn't give a shit. They were right. just like, here, go do that. Like, Robert wasn't even on in the same studio that they were doing that. And they would shoot oh, wow. his little okay. five-minute intros. Yeah. And uh, one of the director's daughter was having a birthday. So Robert... Uh, like called her a pussy and wished her a happy birthday, you little bitch, and then ate a flower. <laughs> so like she was the coolest girl in school that fucking well, how week. Cool, totally off topic. Um, <clears throat> that Freddie interview I sent you with Robertson makeup, but he's talking in his regular voice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's crazy. So we had uh during filming, several of the main actors on set were turned off by their co-star actress Tuesday night. And director Rennie Harlan's apparent romantic fling, which ultimately resulted in Knight being pampered by Harlan and given special attention by the other actors or tossed aside by crew members. The rumor of their relationship on and off set was talked about so much that when the documentary Never Sleep Again was filmed, many of the cast spoke of their distaste and jealousy over Knight getting all the attention from the director some 20 years prior. Rennie Harlan based his film on a Chinese 
ghost story and created all of the nightmares himself based on dreams he had had throughout his life. You had a lot of kung fu dreams in your life? That's a Finnish thing, I guess. You have kung fu dreams. <laughs> 1988 was the first year in which all three of the top horror franchises, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and Halloween, all released new films in the same year. The Dream Master, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, and Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. And Freddy won. Hmm. Robert England directed the horror film 976 Evil the same year he did this film. Interesting. That was a decent movie. Yeah, I haven't watched it in so long. I know. I don't remember shit about it. Yeah. Alice's abilities originally included those of the Dream Warriors, but were cut due to fear of confusing the audience. So that would be... How would they do that? Because that would mean that Kristen would have to take in all their powers and then shoot all those powers over to Alice. Very weird. Decent movie. Not one of my favorite in the franchises. The next one's going to be fucking painful, guys. I'm sorry now, but <laughs> I didn't make the movie. At least Lisa Wilcox is in it, which makes it okay. Yeah, yeah. But now Freddy's a huge star. Uh, we got Jason. and uh, See, that's what we need. I think we need new blood in this franchise. Yeah. Like, I know we got... Halloween jumping the shark over there. Mm -hmm. You've got a series coming out with uh, Pamela, mm -hmm. and then Nightmare. Nothing. I'm well, I think I think they uh, isn't there some issues with the estate of Craven, and that's really people don't know is? where to go with script ideas. That's the holdup, mm -hmm. and the Craven family is holding it tight to the chest. Which, thank you. <laughs> Because <laughs> now we're not coming out with maybe he's got two gloves this time or some right, bullshit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it's I don't I, I need something else, man. Like you think we should have a, a re like another reboot? No, what I want continuation is what they did with Friday. It's a remake, but it's not because you changed nothing. It's right. kind of like. The Friday the 13th remake was kind of a sequel. If you think about it. It's got Easter eggs from all the movies. Yeah. he's get, He gets the mask early on. Right. And then he kills like that. I think, yeah, I view it more of a sequel than a remake because it's the same story. They didn't change anything. Yeah, you but kind of really... see the mom dying, but you could have transferred that for the Betsy Palmer scene. Yeah, but that was um really, it was really basically Fridays one through three in a nutshell, you know. Yeah. So, but it had you, the you, uh, could, you could you could say that it's a a a, re, a reboot or a remake, but in a different universe per se. You could do that, yeah. but, but I mean, it, it could play as a sequel because the timeline already doesn't make fucking sense. True, but to the diehards, you can't because, well, what about Tommy Jarvis, you know? Well, Tommy Jarvis, they fucking changed three times. True, yeah, I know. <laughs> and but they can throw Tommy Jarvis into another one about the rebate. My, my, my feeling is if 
this is how I would see it. Um, I would like to see a Jason movie either set after part four or part six. You know. Oh, why not part seven? Because it adds to the timeline. I know it was a goofy one, but it was still a good one. True, 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 true. You're I all right. So you know what? Let me let me rephrase that. After because while I loved the look of Jason in part seven, as most people will say that had the best look, it was campy. Um I do like I do I mean parts one through four are my absolute favorite. So but it's so iffy because CJ Graham did a great job in part six. I did not like while Tom Matthews is, will forever be known as Tommy Jarvis. I felt between part five's Tommy and part six's Tommy, part six's Tommy was the weakest. Whereas part five was like, I'm going to beat the crap out of you for stealing my mask. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it's, it's tough. But then there was that fan film Jason Rising, which took place after Part Four, which I thought was fairly good. You know, I I, I enjoyed it. Um, James Sweet and Company did a great job. You had you had headless, uh, undead Pamela Voorhees. You know, um, it did get a little hokey when she did get her head, and um, it was great seeing Adrian King come in and she had the machete. And the Pamela's face made this weird look, which hell, it's a fan film. Yeah. The fact that they got away with doing a headless Pam in the beginning with for a fan film. Yeah. Um, I like that take on it, you know? Um, and I hope they do a follow-up to it because they left it for and you know, an open one, but now that the movies are being made again or TV shows, it's tough to say. Yeah. But, uh, but I think you're right. If you did a different part five or if you did a different eight. It would fit, and you could go from there and grow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think you need to add six and seven together because I think they've kind of fit. I mean, he's she put he Tommy put him underwater. She brought him out of water, and then you know he did look better in eight than seven because he or a seven than eight, seven than six because there's no utility belt that bothered the fuck out of me. Like, why is Jason wearing a utility belt? Because he stole it from like the, the the paintball. Guys. I know, but. <laughs> But, I mean, six is always going to be my favorite. The kids are yeah. there. Yeah. Tommy Jarvis was fun. The cast was awesome. Yeah. John yeah. Travolta's uh, nephew. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll see, man. We we they need to do something because this Megan shit and what we got coming, it's just what the fuck. I, yeah. Like even if, scare me. Like try. I don't even care if I jump. If it's a scene that, wow, that was pretty good. That was jolting. Like The Conjuring. I didn't jolt in The Conjuring, but there were scenes where I could have. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the clapping right by her face. Just little fucking tiny shits. Let, c- come on. Right, 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 right. I mean, uh, I just I want, I want fear. I want scary back. Right, right, right. I hear, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, man. But... This has been Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Uh, let us know what you think. We're still doing that giveaway, so make sure you subscribe. And then uh, we'll see you guys soon. You got anything else before we hang up, sir? No, I'm good. Let's do it. We will see you guys next Monday.